Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Florida State sports fans? We're here with another edition of the Knoll Sports Podcast. Kurt Weiler here with Andre Fernandez of the Tallahassee Democrat, both cover Florida State. And Andre, we are, what, as we record this now, just before 3 on Friday afternoon, what, a little over 50 hours out from Florida State football? Yeah. I was going to say, if you want to be very precise, I'd say like 51 and a half, give or take, a few minutes. Yeah. It's a, it's quite a time. I mean, I look forward to this time every year. I definitely feel like I'm looking forward to this time even more this year than most just because of the circumstances of last year. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think it's going to be lots of fun regardless of the outcome for Florida State fans this weekend, just to be back, to be back in the atmosphere, see Chief Osceola, to see Renegade, to see, you know, the war chant, everything. Like, all the elements are back. And, you know, even if the stadium's not full to the last possible seat, I think it's going to be full enough where it's going to generate a pretty nice home field advantage that, that this program is, is, has been has was used to before the pandemic and hopefully gets used to again. Yeah, I mean, it, it is crazy the amount of coaches, players, staff, all of the above for whom this is going to be kind of that, that first true Dope Campbell Stadium game day experience. Because I know uh, last year, no one, no one really got that. I mean, it was nice to have any fans at all. It's better than nothing, but I mean, it's just not the, uh, the, the real thing. Yeah, no, it, it, you can't simulate when half the stadium's empty and... You know, and fans are like spread out a little bit, like it was last season, and and it's good timing too because you know this team still this team's going to be better than it was last year. I think in general, even if it doesn't you know translate completely into the win loss record you know, at, at the end of the season, but you know to to get that home field, I think is big because you're going to have games like like Sunday down the road. You know, teams are going to come in here like the Hurricanes, like. You know, NC State, a much improved NC State team, and they're going to need that. They're going to need that that little extra push from the fans to to be able to pull off victories or, or try to pull off victories in in those games. No doubt. Let's uh let's get right into uh Sunday. Obviously, uh, number seven uh, Notre Dame coming to town. It'll be Notre Dame's first trip here since uh 2014, which is a pretty wild ending where it, it looked like uh. They had ended Florida State's losing or winning streak at it would have been I think if they had done that it would have been twenty two games or something in that that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And they scored a touchdown. It got reversed by an offensive pass interference call, a, a pick play, if you will. That well, not something that gets called a ton. I think it's it is correct to say was the right call. Notre Dame fans wouldn't like to hear that. Florida State fans are not in their head in agreement. But, yep. yeah, I mean, it, the, the, the circumstances have definitely changed. I mean, obviously, Florida State's not nearly where it was that last time. It's also, for Florida State, I would say, some bad luck. They weren't supposed to play Notre Dame last year, but the, the COVID schedule and Notre Dame for one year being a, a full-time member of the ACC meant that they had to face them last year, and they were already on the schedule for this year. So you get two years in a row, and it's, I would say, probably two bad years to do so. Not that there's ever really a good year to face a, a perennial program like Notre Dame. 
No, and it never is. But yeah, you're right. I mean, especially now when you kind of look at when you take a step back and look at the program right now, you'd have you consider you'd hope that last year was rock bottom, and then now this year you're still not completely out of the, you know, you're not out of the pit yet, but you're climbing your way back, and you're you know, the, in spots you're a little bit better here and there, and, and it looks more like a more cohesive team. But still, you're not still yet on. It doesn't seem like there's there on that level and it's going to take some time so as that's happening it's a tough ask to, to get the fighting irish in here you know right out of the shoot first game you know the one good thing going for them at least this year it's at doke and not obviously not up there at south bend which would make things a lot more difficult if they had to go up there in week one but they'll at least have their the the advantage of being in their backyard no doubt i think and they also had the advantage of playing this team in september instead of, say, October or even or especially November, that this is a very new-look Notre Dame team. It is still a very talented Notre Dame team, but it's a new quarterback. It's a largely new offensive line that hasn't played in a game together yet as a unit. It's a new defensive coordinator, and obviously there could be some growing pains that, that come with that. Probably not as many as Florida State dealt with last year just because of, A, the, the roster talent, and, B, the fact that it was a normal offseason, not kind of the, the very bizarre in some parts, virtual offseason that Florida State had to deal with last year when instituting a new defense. But, I mean, if you're going to have to play this Notre Dame team, the opening game's not a bad time to do so. No, timing-wise, I agree. It definitely would favor, in that sense, the, you know, it would increase the chances at least a little bit. Um, you know, when you look at the team overall, you talked about all the new, new elements they're going to have. And a lot of times in week one, this is where you see more mistakes because, you know, it's not like the NFL where you have, you know, two or three preseason games to, to hammer things out and, and, and to shake off the rust a little bit. Like, you're getting thrown right into the fire, per se. I mean, I don't care how much practice or scrimmages you do. It's not the same thing as actual game experience. And, you know, so some you're, you're gonna, it's going to be interesting to see which team handles that better, like which one has fewer missed tackles, fewer defensive lapses, mental mistakes, that sort of thing. Because I think you're going to see some of that, maybe even you know on both sides. But to what degree does does one side or the other minimize that and not let that be a situation where it creates the it lets the game get out of hand one way or the other? And so that part of it too could work maybe a little bit in FSU's favor, where maybe Notre Dame wouldn't have as many of those moments as they probably would playing in October or November once they're a little more of a well-oiled machine. No doubt, I, I think it's also a, a a big deal. I mean, we talked about this being the first real Doke at Campbell game, Stadium game day experience in a while. I think it's very important for Florida State to be competitive early, to not allow a quick touchdown drive and then have kind of a quick offensive possession that leads to a punt. I just I worry with these fans kind of having seen this before, I worry a sense of like, oh, here we go again, may set in and already start to impact kind of the crowd noise and the effect the crowd could have on the game. And obviously, I mean – that would negate one of your bigger advantages for sure. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the more they can keep the place loud, the more they can keep everything rocking the way they would want it, you know, the better, no doubt about it. I'm also most concerned, I think, with one particular section of that crowd you're talking about, and that's going to be that nice little contingent of 2022, 2023 recruits that are going to be or, or no, the recruits that are coming in to, to kind of see what FSU is all about. A lot of the commits, I mean, almost their whole commit list is on this freaking on this trip coming in. So this is the showcase game 
So the more, even if the end result is not what you want to show them, the more it, it looks competitive, the more it looks like there's something here, the more you can showcase what court Coach Norvell and his staff are building here, the, the foundation pieces that they're, play, that they're putting in place for sustained success that they'll be a part of if they come to FSU, the better. And I think that's, a, you know, that's another, another layer of great importance for this game. And, and why they need to be competitive, uh, you know, for as long as possible, even if they don't end up pulling off the upset. No doubt, I, you're 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 dead on with that. I mean, obviously, so much of this year is showing that progress to keep that great 2022 class that you're off to an incredible start with together, and it's showing progress on the field to show, hey, we're getting this trend back in the right direction. Don't you want to like come take that to the next step? And I think they've done pretty well about setting reasonable expectations for these recruits. I don't think they're telling recruits they're about to have a 10-win season. I think they're telling recruits, we'll see how many games, we're confident in the group we have. We also know that with the progress we're making without you, look what we can do when we add you, Travis Hunter, you, A.J. Duffy, you, Marvin Jones Jr. or Julian Armelli, someone that's not in the class. I mean, it makes sense for this to kind of be that recruiting profile weekend. I know some are kind of questioning, like, well, why do you do it now? You're not you're a, you're a seven and a half point underdog. You're not supposed to win this game. What what game would you suggest if not this one? You're betting on. I, I'm not convinced Louisville's going to be a sellout. Yes, you'll probably be. You're more likely to be favored in that game. We'll see how the first two weeks go. Whether or not they are. Maybe Miami, but Miami's so late in the season. You're betting that the fan interest is still there in November, which we'll see what their record is. I mean, I think me and you both right. think they're going to kind of be. Sweating out bowl eligibility. I think it makes a lot of sense that you're counting on this being the best surefire bet of a intense crowd that you're going to have at Doak this season. You also want the, the the recruits to see that. I mean, many of them probably haven't been able to see that. Right. No, and you're not. And you're right. You're the only other game we know for a fact is going to be at night is Jacksonville State, and that doesn't offer you much in terms of an opponent to to kind of show off what you've got. You know, we don't know how many other prime time environments like this they're going to have the rest of the season a lot of it's going to depend on what kind of success rate they're at as the season progresses so yeah so it is it a doozy of an opponent to, to start off and and you're not banking on the win i think that you're right they have kind of told recruits that i think where it comes in is those kids that are kind of maybe on the fence still that you know might have the alabama offer might have the clemson offer and, and what can you do this weekend you know, in the game and beyond to say this is the right fit for you and that sort of thing. And that's just, this is just going to reinforce that if they can, you know, with guys like that. I mean, in some cases, you, you, you can kind of see the way they're at. And then the ones that are committed already is, is who I'm referring to. Uh, in addition to that, the five stars, the guys that right now, you know, they've committed. But how solid are those commitments in, in reality? And in a lot of cases, I think judging from, you know, some of the the, the talk that they've had like on Twitter and, and, and stuff you read about them, it seems like guys like Hunter and others are pretty invested. They're even recruiting other players when they can to come here. So you hope that that trend continues and, and everything that happens this weekend, win or lose, it just reinforces that to continue to swing in their favor. Yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh, uh... I guess we can look at that game now because, I mean, what are those – what do you – when you look at this, because the truth is yes. I mean, I, I don't see a ton of people picking Florida State, but I also don't think a ton of people would be shocked if Florida State wins this game with all those Notre Dame issues, with, I mean, what we've seen this preseason, and we have seen legitimate growth from Florida State. 
what are you looking at as like the matchup or maybe couple matchups of that are going to would be the path to FSU keeping it close and maybe eventually coming away with the upset? I mean, I, I think the most obvious one is just the, on defense for FSU against that running game. I mean, so much comes out of that for Notre Dame on offense. I mean, they're breaking in a new quarterback in Jack Cohn. Not a new quarterback in terms of college football experience, but new to them, new to their system. So if them being able to run the football, especially if they can even run it the way they did last season, you know, with the way that Kyron Williams chewed them up, if FSU lets that happen early on again or something like it, it's going to be a long night for them, and I think that's that's something they desperately need to avoid. Like That defensive front's been one of the more impressive units that we've seen this fall throughout camp. And, you know, it's hard to tell when they're going up against their own team and that sort of thing. We know that. You can only take things to a certain degree. But I think you've seen some noticeable improvement up front from those guys. I mean, in particular, not just the additions. You know, they have guys that we talked about, Jermaine Johnson. We talked about Keir Thomas. They're veterans when it comes to football, just like Jack Cohen is. But this is their first game in FSU's system. As much as you drill it in practice, that game, it's a whole different element once it's for real. And this is going to be the first time for them in, in there. And, and that part of it's going to be interesting. But it's guys like, to me, it's the interior guys. It's the Fabian Love. It's, it's Dennis Briggs, who's looked amazing in camp. If all of that carries over to the season, what he's been doing, he could be the breakout guy on defense overall, the way he's played. So if those guys have a good game in that matchup and, and hold their ground, that's what will to make the difference to at least them having a chance to maybe pulling this off. No, I, yeah, I agree. And I think the big thing, you talked about uh, stopping the run. I mean, obviously they destroyed them on the ground last year. They they utterly destroyed yeah. Florida State on the ground last year from kind of the opener or early in the game. I think they fumbled on their first drive, but then their second drive, I think Kyron Williams broke off a huge run. And that was kind of the the storyline of the entire day where Florida State just could not stop that. I think if you can keep Notre Dame in reasonable, keep them behind the chains a little. You don't have to get them in in second and 12. But if you get them in second and eight instead of second and three, and you're making Jack Cohn beat you, because I don't think Jack Cohn's a bad quarterback. Jack Cohn is really only at Notre Dame right now because he got hurt last preseason and he got Wally pipped. Graham Mertz took his job. And so that's kind of why he's here now. He is not somebody who transferred because of, like, he couldn't get on the field. But that being said, I also don't think he's a game-changing quarterback. I think he, people talk about the game moniker, the game manager moniker, if you will, of like the quarterbacks who aren't going to destroy your game, but also probably aren't going to make those incredible throws that are going to win you games. And and I mean, I think when you look at not only Jack Cohn, but what Notre Dame has at wide receiver and outside of Michael Mayer at tight end, I think they have a, a stud in Michael Mayer. He might be the best tight end in the country. But outside of that... I don't think they have any – they're not bringing back any other wide receivers or any other receiving targets who had even 100 yards last year. No, and, and you're right. Mayer is the one that scares me, I mean, if I were them, because of the way he can just get loose and, and make huge plays downfield. I think he's going to be very involved in any kind of successful passing game they have in this game. And you're right about Cohn. I mean, this isn't the Eric King. This isn't Sam Howell. This isn't a guy that's going to tear you up just on with his arm purely and making plays or anything like that. So if you can – if you can force him to be more of that and put the onus on their, on their passing game by stuffing the run, but again, it's a tall order because, that, yes, they lost some guys to the NFL, no doubt. You know, One of their top you know, linemen that was backing those guys up is here now in Dylan Givens, but just the arrival of Kane Madden inside, I mean, that, that's, that right there makes a huge difference. 
you know, they have veterans like Jared Patterson in the middle at center. You know, Zeke Carell's coming into a little bit of a new role there on, on the left guard side. But, I mean, overall, I think the Patterson-Madden connection in the middle, that's going to be the big challenge, I think, for those interior guys on, on the defensive side for FSU that we talked about a, a minute ago. You know, who wins those one-on-one matchups? And that was something that, you know, offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham was talking about. You know, it's going to be so important to win those little one-on-ones within the game, up front and on the outside, on the skill side of it. And, and that's something, it has to start there in the middle to have any success. I think another thing I'm looking at is, I know in talking to a Notre Dame beat writer earlier this week, Tyler James, the South Bend Tribune's also good at paper, we exchanged Q&As. And one thing he talked about with Marcus Freeman, the new Notre Dame defensive coordinator's scheme, is that they're going to play more man coverage. They're going to more trust their... Uh, their DBs to kind of win their one-on-one matchups and to just free everybody else up to kind of be able to be it to be able to blitz more, be able to just have more people closer to the line, whatever it may be. It's putting more on the DBs to kind of handle individual assignments. So can how can Florida State's receivers? How much can they win those one-on-ones? I mean, we've seen them win more one-on-ones as the preseason progressed against Florida State's DBs, but. How much of that is maybe just getting familiar with their tendencies and stuff like that? And I, it'll be interesting to see because that's going to be key. Those, you're going to have those chances. I, if I had to bet Notre Dame's going to maybe not be stuffing the box, but going to be trending towards knowing that run the ball is what you want to do. And so how much can you do through the air? I mean, Florida State, you have to be at least somewhat two-dimensional. No, no doubt about it. And that's where, again, it comes down to the running game. And now flipping the conversation to FSU's running backs. They were a bright spot last year, so and they have to be again, especially in this game because yeah, the receivers have, have looked better. They've been one of the that's been one of the units that stood out in fall camp, just being a lot better. I mean, there was a lot of room for for improvement there coming off last season, but we've seen Keyshawn Helton emerge as a good as a dependable weapon potentially in that offense. But they're still looking for those vertical guys, the guys that can stretch the field. They brought in Andrew Parchment. He's had his ups and downs in camp, some some good, some bad. The ups have been real up, but, though. It does bear mentioning. Yeah, it does. It does. But the, the consistency, too, in avoiding drops, I think, is a big key. Not just him. And not to pick on, on Parchment himself, no. but there's been others. Ontario's had a, a few moments here and there, Kentron. But as a, as a collective group, you know, that they're still looking for guys that can really, you know, stretch the field, you know, be that deep threat. And I don't know if they're going to have that initially in this first game because I think I think that's going to be a process a little bit as the season goes and you're going to see guys emerge I mean I actually like you and I both like Malik McLean's ability to become that guy it's not going to happen probably in this game but it could happen by the end of the season where he's that the first of those guys that they're recruiting that is going to be those types of playmakers in the future but when it comes to this game it's just imperative that they establish some sort of a running game you know, I know they want to. If they if, if they had their ideal uh, ideal way, it would be to run a little bit of up tempo as well. Mackenzie Milton, when he's in there, he's used to that. You know, Travis can give you that dimension of being able to make plays on the ground as well as throwing. Now he's we've seen him throw a lot better too. But that running game needs to be there. What does your uh, what's your gut say? I know kind of where it was at earlier in the week. I don't know if it, if it's changed at all. If you're kind of in a uh, in a similar spot, in terms of who wins, yeah, or how it happened, how well, a little of both. I I can't I I'm I can't go out on a limb and, and pick the upset, but I 
just seeing how Notre Dame tends to have these games, especially early in the season, too, like we talked about, where it could be closer than people think. And I think some of that is FSU, too, just being better and just having a better offseason. So, I mean, I, I in something we already ran, I picked 30-17 to 17 Notre Dame. And the, the way I see that playing out is potentially if FSU can do all these things we talked about early on and keep it close, they're probably maybe within a score, maybe 10 or so, you know, late in the game, maybe at that point. And then maybe something happens where the Irish pull away. That's kind of how I see this game turning out, you know, the, are they capable of an upset? Yeah, they're always – of course, I'd say it's possible, but it's not likely. But a respectable showing would be something like that. I think they're definitely capable of a respectable showing if all goes well and, and, and we see some of the things we've seen in camp translate. Fans would obviously be disappointed. I mean, if you, especially if you come that close to winning or extremely close to winning and can't do it. But you're right. I think at the same time, it would be quite encouraging when, consider, when you consider kind of what this team – was last year. And obviously last year for a quarter, they led Notre Dame in South Bend. And then the kind of the, the, the wheels fell off the wagon a little bit and they ended up losing somewhat comfortably. Although to their credit, they, they fought to the bitter end. I, yeah, I mean, I, I will be interested. I think it, keeping close or even taking an early lead would be significant. I mean, the truth is the pressure's on Notre Dame. You don't yeah. really have, you have pressure to compete but you don't have pressure to win, I wouldn't say. Like, when you're a home underdog of seven and a half points. So it's kind of a, a house money situation where the better you look, I think the better, the bigger expectations come or, or potential comes for the rest of the season. I think I'm with you. I, I, I think I said 34-24 Notre Dame. I wouldn't be surprised if it was closer than that, if it was truly a game in the fourth quarter and, like you said, maybe a late Notre Dame score to pull away. But I do think this will be a game into the fourth quarter. I think Notre Dame may have to sweat at least a little bit, which would be, I mean, it would be, it would be a major step, like we said, from, from where that team was last year. Yeah, I, I don't think they score 42 this time, though. I think, no. I, I think FSU will have, I think FSU will have maybe, and looking at last year's score, people might say, well, why? But I think because of the addition of Marcus Freeman and, and what they've done on defense, I think FSU will have a harder time scoring than preventing scoring in this game. I think it'll be a, that, that'll be the challenge. If you see FSU put some points up early, then, then they've got something cooking. It is, uh, thankfully, we uh, only have to wait, like you said, I mean, not that much longer to uh, to find out for sure. I know we're both uh, looking forward to this weekend as a whole, too, kind of having that full slate, some really fun games this weekend. I'll put yeah. you on the spot real quick, Andre. We'll talk about Florida State's uh, season as large. Outside of the obvious, outside of uh, Clemson, Georgia, what game this weekend are you really looking forward to? Well, I mean, obviously, I think the one one that's going on that um, I don't know if people, by the time they listen to this, will have already been played, but I'm, in, I'm curious to see that North Carolina-Virginia Tech game because Tar- the Tar Heels, that's not an easy one at all, going into Blacksburg the first game of the season and testing all those new weapons on offense around Sam Howell and, and, and that sort of thing. So that's a good one. That's an intriguing ACC game right off the shoot right there. Obviously, Miami-Alabama is a good one, too, just to see, to kind of gauge where the Hurricanes are at. FSU, you know, we'll see them later in the year here at Doak. And, you know, Miami has designs on potentially winning the Coastal, as they have in the last few years. But this year, it seems like they truly believe it. You know, Alabama, though, we know is on an elite whole other level. But it is similar to what we were talking about. It's week one. They're breaking in a new quarterback. There's a lot of areas where... You know, there's turnover. So they're, so they're replacing. I think it was three guys who finished in the top five of the Heisman voting. 
Yeah, but if any program is good at replacing yep. the pieces, both on the field and on the coaching staff, yep. it's Alabama, and that's why they're so great. So, I mean, but that's definitely one definitely to keep an eye on. But, I, I you know, I, I definitely want to see the Clemson-Georgia game, but, yeah, I, I really like that Friday night one because North Carolina, that's another game, I think, you know, we're, I don't know we're going to get to that uh, soon, but it's North Carolina being the team that FSU knocked off last year and, and the trip to Chapel Hill this year, that's another intriguing matchup that where you you kind of try to wonder try to analyze how good of a chance does fsu have to pull it off again yeah i mean it's sam Howell is great and they bring back a a decent number of pieces on defense they've got to replace a lot of skill position talent and that's easier said than done it'll be interesting to see how well north carolina does and i mean i'm sure there is somewhat significant or a decent road favorite in this game at Virginia tech but it'll be interesting to see i mean they could come out and make a statement or they could look quite vulnerable, and the Coastal would look more up for grabs than I think people thought it was coming into the year. I think a game that I have my eyes on, too, just looking nationally, and I won't probably watch much of it because it's on the same time as Clemson-Georgia, but is uh, LSU at UCLA. I think that's a game that's I mean, people are talking a lot about this kind of being a bounce-back year for LSU after a pretty rough, uh, pretty rough go of it last year coming off the national title. And if if they were to lose that game, which, I mean, UCLA looked real good last week. It was Hawaii. But UCLA looked real good like last week. We know what Chip Kelly's been capable of in the past. If UCLA were to pull that upset, I think that hot that seat gets pretty hot real fast for Ed Orgeron. It feels like a game with pretty big implications on both sides. LSU could have the widest range of predictions of any SEC team. And I think they do. I think people are thinking they're either back or close to being back. Or it could go... Or it could just blow up this season. There's just that, there's that uncertainty when it comes to them, you know, coming off, you know, two years after Burrow and everybody else. So I mean, we'll see. I mean, that's a definitely, like you said, it's a good test. I did get a chance to watch a little bit of that UCLA Hawaii game in, in pieces, and and yeah, not the competition that really would test the Bruins, but but yeah, they they're offensively they look pretty solid, especially for the first week. So it's a it's an interesting one, no doubt about it, and and a good test for. For the Tigers, you know, overall, to see just to see how far they've come. Yeah, so let's uh, let's let's look at some Florida State stuff now. Let's let's turn gears and look at the season at large. Look beyond this weekend. Obviously, both of us wouldn't be surprised by a win, but but see them starting zero and one after this weekend. I mean, it's a it's a backloaded schedule in terms of difficulty. I mean, you if you're Florida State, I know we both are in similar areas. You better get your wins on the the front end. Yeah, I think four and one. To be honest with you, I think four and one. I've, I've, I've told you this a few times. I, I I really think four and one is a must. I, I just don't see it any other way because you can't count on beyond that. You really only, the only other game you can kind of look at and and circle as a win is UMass. After that, I mean, they're just going to be doozy after doozy. I mean, even even the ones that aren't the top fifteen ranked teams like NC State is very much improved. And I know it was USF, and they're down, but they looked solid. They they look they did exactly what 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 you you have to do when you're when you're playing a team like USF. They drilled them, never gave them a chance. That running game with the two backs, you know, Person and, and Knight. I mean, they look good, and they're not a top twenty-five team now, but they're one of those teams that if they get off to a hot start, could be, especially by the time they roll into to Tallahassee, and then that BC road trip. That's tough because that's late November, right before Thanksgiving, and it's probably going to be, I mean, it is going to be cold. How cold? I mean, do we have elements involved? Is it going to be snowing by then? I mean, who knows? But that's another one 
that that's going to be really rough for them to win. So yeah, that you said backloaded schedule. I mean, it's it's a gauntlet. That's what I'm those last five. There are no easy ones there. So if you don't get your wins early, let's say let's say it doesn't go that well with Notre Dame, but Jacksonville State is one they can that that they should be able to handle. And then you've got before I get to Wake, you've got Louisville and Syracuse on the back end of that road trip. Louisville's kind of a, a bit of a 50-50, but it's a game that I think that looks kind of winnable as long as you contain Malik Cunningham, you know. And Syracuse is another one that they should, you know, quote unquote, should win. To me, it comes down to the bowl eligibility, the, the that six, that sixth win possibility. The game of the year is the Wake road trip in Week Three, because that is definitely the toss-up game. But it's over there, and that's a well-coached team year in and year out. That's the one they have to have. That could be the make-or-break game of the of the entire season when it comes to are they going to get the bowl or not? For sure. I mean, it's a we've talked about. I mean, you don't want to be hyperbolic, and I really don't think we're being hyperbolic by saying it feels like. Obviously, it's your first year on the beat, but as someone who's been here a while, I agree. It feels like one of the more important Florida State games in recent memory because the truth is, it, it, it with some exceptions. I mean, Wake has beaten Florida State. Uh, near the end of the Bowden era, and obviously more recently, the last trip up there in 2019 felt like a real, it wasn't the nail in the coffin, but it felt like a real major step towards that for Willie Taggart in the end of his uh, his tenure at FSU. I mean, obviously this will be Mike Norvell's first time facing Wake Forest, and the truth is, even a down Florida State, going up against probably one of the better Wake Forest teams Dave Clawson's ever had, it's still somewhat of a talent, if you want to look at it that way, like, it looks relatively even on paper, probably still favoring Florida State because I don't think Wake has a ton of blue-chip guys on the roster. Obviously, that's not everything. Obviously, Wake has beaten some Florida State teams, like that 2019 team that was much better than it on paper. So games aren't played on paper. But at a certain point, if you're Mike Norvell, you have to kind of reestablish the order of beating those teams that you are supposed to beat if you're going to get Florida State back to that top tier of the ACC. Yeah, and like I said, I mean it's first year, but I'm uh, from seeing football. You know, I've you know I've seen football at other places for a long, long time, and and just it just has that, just has that feel to it. Like you know, week three, and and some of the things you were saying about about FSU and 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 beating the teams you're supposed to again, or or, or getting that. If you look at it from Wake's perspective, you know, the, yes, FSU is down from what they were. But there's still a little bit of that name value, too. And the fact that you're saying, like, the series history has not really gone in their favor historically, it's still one of those that if they, they're they going to feel like if they can get this one, especially early in the season at home, it's not only going to be a confidence builder, it's not only going to look good for them, but it could get them rolling toward their own goals and their own objectives of making it, you know, a bowl season for themselves and, and having a solid year in the ACC. Like, it's... It's a springboard game one way or the other for both sides, I think. And that's why, like you said, not to put the, the weight of the entire season on it, but it has that potential of being you know, one of those games that, if not the entire season, but it's going to have a major ripple effect toward whatever happens toward the end. And the other side of that is, I mean, you, you, you talk about maybe needing it for, for a bowl, and I agree, you probably do, but suppose you beat Notre Dame and then two weeks later go and lose at Wake Forest. You, right. pro- you might feel worse about this team than you did coming into the year because you're like, this is last year all over again where they could they can like kind of play at an elite level on any given night, but they're just so inconsistent. Right, and that's the layer of it too. You've got 
that pops the balloon completely if, if you're two and zero rolling in there and something like that happens. And that, and we both were, you know, we both wrote about it and we both talked about. We both feel that seeing what happened last year with North Carolina, just have that hunch that this team could pull one off again out of those five, you know, major opponents that they have. But very easily, I could see that happening. And then turning around and losing one of these games, yep. you know, like well, against Wake or against the you know, Boston College, NC State, heck, even maybe Louisville on a bad day. Like this is this team is still so reliant on young players, you know, not just true freshmen that are starting up, but those second year guys, you know, the transfers that are still in their first season getting acclimated to everything. So the makeup of this team is still to the point where inconsistencies could happen. And so even if you have that soaring, amazing victory one week, quite possibly you could not take, you might not take care of business or might seize an opportunity in the game that you really need, like one that they'll, that they'll have when they go to Winston-Salem. Yeah, you, you need as many potential mulligans as you can get. Because, yeah, I mean, the back end is, it's entirely possible. Although I, I think, yes, your points about NC State and Boston College are valid. I do, both those games are going to be winnable. I think those those games are both a tier below kind of the top five that we've talked about. Those five that like are going to be real tough, where they could probably be a touchdown plus underdog. I think. Yeah, the, the, no, I think no doubt. I think so, but it, it would be very nice even if you only had to win one of those and not both. If you got behind the eight ball and yeah. needed both of those for a bowl, if you're sitting at four wins entering kind of those final couple weeks, that it, it, it's hard to see it. Yeah. To be look. To be blunt, I'm. You, you divide. I, I've divided the schedule in those three sections: the Jacksonville State, UMass, Syracuse. Those are the three that you should win. The other five are the ones you're not expected to win. It's those four in the middle that are going to dictate where the season goes. Somewhere between, you know, just to put the extremes, somewhere between seven and five and three and nine. Let's just say, and that's where I think NC State, out of those four, NC State and BC, to me, are a tier, a little bit tier above. Wake Forest and Louisville, even though the Wake game and the Wake game just feels like it's somewhere in the middle of that range where it's almost like a 50-50 because it's over there, and that and that's where I think that's the one. That that's the one to me. It's like it's the tip the scales game where it goes one way or the other if they can have it and if everything else holds true to form, and, and that's why. But even like I said, even if they get the one upset out of the other out of the five, they're not supposed to. Very easily, you could see them dropping one of the four that you, in theory you should win. So I have been teetering back and forth in the spirit of transparency with as much of the preseason as we got to watch. I will admit that I kind of came into the the preseason thinking six was most likely, probably followed by five. Mm-hmm. And the first couple days were were not great and kind of pushed that towards me feeling more five. But my confidence has been restored over the last few weeks. I think I'm back on six. Admittedly, admittedly admitting I'm pretty tentative about that. It is not something I feel great about. But I, I will say what I feel great about is these coaches. I mean, I've watched them play. We know what the roster kind of is, but I think we have a coaching staff. That I should say we. They have a coaching staff here in Florida State, in Tallahassee, that can coach. They, it seems like they can recruit. We've seen that, and we've been able to see a lot of them coaching. And it's been really cool to see that. So I, I think I'm landed on six against uh, plenty of odds in an adverse schedule. If you put it like one of those Vegas odds, I think I'd land on five and a half. <laughs> well, that's what Vegas is at, so you got to pick. Yeah, they ain't getting a yeah. half win. Right, 
Well, and that's where like, okay, a real looking at it, trying to stay kind of just looking. It, it, the problem is the schedule, and to me, it keeps coming back to that, and that's why I'm sort yeah. of at five. But some of the things you said, I feel the same way. I think they they're starting up a great foundation here in terms of you know for success. I think these guys can coach. We're gonna see how well they coach in game too, as far as X's and O's this year, because now. Now you're playing with a with a with a better deck this year, having the good off season and all of that. Now you got the pieces a little bit more in place. But all that said, could I see them getting to six? I could see it more than I did back at the beginning of August. I'm with you on that. But that schedule, man, I, I I'm telling you, like I can't pick one of those five. I think there will be an upset, but I'm having a really hard time pinpointing which is the one that they'll that they'll pull off because I could see a reason for them losing all five of them. But then again. I don't know. I don't know. They're not, they don't seem like a team that's so bad that they would go 0-5 down the stretch either. So if they don't, then they may just pull it off and, and we'll be we'll be covering one, a bowl game with FSU in it sometime around you know Christmas time in December. Yeah, I mean, it's a... You're right in that... I, it, do I think this is a Florida State quality team of kind of the remotely close to the Florida State of great of the last decade? No, it is. The fall off has been real. I mean, if you look at like the, I think the 247 does the talent composites, even like in 2018, 2019, Florida State was still, I think, 10th or in the top 10 in the talent composites. It kind of talks about the recruiting ratings of guys on your roster. They've fallen off. I mean, having two transitional classes in three years with, with three coaches in four years, is is gonna hurt the talent on your roster? They're kind of I think more in that twentieth range now, and and no doubt they keep that twenty twenty two class together. Which honestly, I think five or six wins will do for the most part. You may lose a couple. There may be a couple who who had bigger aspirations, but a guy like Travis Hunter hasn't shown any inclination of really wandering. I think it would have to be a pretty dreadful season to lose someone like him. He is pretty adamantly. I mean, he told Clemson when Clemson tried to. Gave him the whole, like, you really want to go play for that team with what they've looked like? And he gave them the whole, they were here first. Y'all are late. And right. and and so it would take a yeah, lot. They, they, were, for, they were who I was referring to earlier when, yep. I, when I was saying about guys being invested. Yep. Yeah, he, he hasn't shown any signs of that. Nope. No. And, and I think it would have to be real bad for that to happen. I'm talking like three wins. And I just don't see that. But it's tough because with a different schedule, like you said, I mean, if they play Miami every, every year. So you can't really make an excuse for that. It's unfortunate for them that they drew also Notre Dame. It was one of their years they were due to play Notre Dame, and they got them added last year. And they're draw, they drew a North Carolina team who, when this was made, probably wasn't that good. But now is like the, the favorite team to win the Coastal because of what Mac Brown and, uh, and Sam Howell have done. So, yeah, I mean, you could see seven or eight, no problem, with the right schedule. The ACC is by no means a powerhouse conference, but you're playing the projected top three teams. Yeah, and if you look at next year's schedule and the way it'll even out a little bit, and then considering, you know, let's say you keep intact or continue to improve because they're probably going to add more, obviously. They, have, they still have eight spots to add kids. But, um, the 2022 class, say it ends up being a top five to ten class. You bring in that influx of talent. That's going to help, too. A lot of those guys are going to have the same opportunity to jump in early the way the 21 class is this season. So all of that is just going to keep rolling and keep getting better and combined with a little more manageable schedule. I could see them. In fact, I think it, it, they have to next year be that type of a team. You have to make that leap next year where you're potentially an eight-win team, yep. potentially at, at the very least seven and five, 
and a, and a definite bowl team next year to kind of keep that progress going. And I think they will be, assuming things stay on track, assuming that that class mostly stays together and, and the coaching staff mostly stays intact. Which I'm not sure it'll be the same coaching staff entirely next year, but I don't think they're going to lose a bunch of guys. Because, I mean, for instance, next year – here, I can pull up the schedule real quick. I mean, not to look ahead to 2022. Well, LSU, we know – the first game we know is going to be another doozy. Maybe, You're right. Because it, it, LSU in the Superdome, that's practically a, a home game for them. But it also depends on what shape is LSU next year because we were exactly. talking about that earlier. It's not Notre Dame. I don't, I don't think they're going to be a top-10 team next year. They could be, right. but I'm not especially be, high on them. But right. if they fall apart, then then that's a you know a little different situation going into that game. Who knows what the ACC looks like next year? But for one thing, you're subbing out North Carolina for Georgia Tech. Right. You're that's subbing out the yeah. the first place coastal team projected for either the last or second to last projected coastal team. Right. No, a team they shouldn't have lost to even last. No, year. and if they played sure. now, I don't think they would lose to. I think that was right. a fa- that was a a factor of the weird offseason FSU had, and that Georgia Tech wasn't a new coaching staff. Yeah, even within the game, they, they, I mean, <laughs> I rewatched it recently on YouTube. They were they should have they should have hung on. They jumped out ten nothing early, and a bunch of rain delay, a bunch of lightning delays in that game. It was all, it was all kinds of distorted. I I think. Uh... I think we're just ready for a game. I think I am ready to actually talk about a game. It's been great to talk about practice. It's been great to watch as much of the practice as we have. But I'm just ready to talk about something something real, something that everybody else could watch, something that's on TV, something that counts. To finish the conversation about next season, here you go again. I just looked up their schedule. Syracuse is one of your road games, so that helps. Yes. You have Wake at home. Like you talked about Georgia Tech. You still have Clemson. It doesn't, you know, that's going to be Clemson. It's going to be Clemson. BC is a, a quality opponent in that next tier we were talking about. That's at home. Your non-conference outside of LSU. Obviously, you got the Gators in Tallahassee too, right? That's at home too. The other non-conferences: a Duquesne team that you should beat, and Louisiana, who's been a solid Group of Five team the last couple of years. But again, what's the theme? And, it's at home. And so, I think that's a Louisiana team that's going to lose a lot. This upcoming off season, I think they have a lot of guys who came back and used that extra eligibility, and they're going to lose a lot this next year. Correct. At Miami is a tough one. You know, Louisville will be on the road. We'll see what shape Louisville's in by then. But a lot of a lot of the tougher opponents that they're facing on the road this year, it reverts where they're here at Doak next year. So that's another thing to factor. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we don't want to look ahead to that too much now, but the the fact remains that. The schedule, no doubt, aligns for if you show those signs of life this year, if you keep that recruiting class together, I think 7, 8, 9 are on the table next year. We'll have to see what all those other teams look like too. But, I mean, I I think that's very much on the table if you get to that 5, 6 threshold this year, which I think we we do expect them to, and I would say a lot of people, it seems like, expect them to. Point, point being, even if they do end up 5 and 7, I think there's going to be a lot of strides made that aren't going to show up in the record. That I think are going to be are going to build toward that future. Oh, a hundred percent agree. Yes, it's a uh, it, 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 that schedule is going to make the team like you. The the tough pill to swallow, and this has kind of been what I've saying when asked about what I've said when asked about it. The tough pill to swallow is that, like you said, it is simultaneously possible. I may even say probable that FSU shows some tremendous progress and only wins five games. Yep. So and that's where I think people, you know, hopefully, you know, 
most of the, let's say hopefully the people that really make the decisions can 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 understand where they're at and and maybe even be a little patient and see you know give 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 the program where it's heading right now a chance to to come to fruition I mean, it, it could start coming to, to fruition uh, here Sunday night if uh, if things really go right. I mean, like we said, neither of us are picking it, but also neither of us are saying it's impossible, or even that it's it would be a huge task. It's a seven-and-a-half-point spread. It wouldn't take that much for that to uh, to flip. I mean, you put the pressure on Notre Dame, it gets interesting in a hurry, and then who knows how, how, how things change if you're able to do that to start the season. Yep, nothing would fast track it more than than something like that happening right right away opening night. But we'll see. We will soon enough, and thankfully we'll have a real football to talk about next week. I'm thinking we're going to do uh, two pods a week here during the season. I'm thinking we'll do one probably Sunday or Monday, looking back at the game the weekend before. Probably Monday, I would say this week, just because obviously yeah. the game's on Sunday, and I don't think we're going to do something instant just because of all the other stuff uh, we have to do. We're not going to be done. We're not going to be done till almost midnight, Kurt. Here's and, hoping. In terms of the game, knock on <laughs> so. wood. Here's hoping some uh, some some weather that came through Orlando last night doesn't come through for us. I wanted to watch the end of that game. I could not make it with that game starting at nine forty five, and I ended up missing a great game. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean here, yeah, because it's going to be a late enough night as is, no doubt. So uh, we're we're we're, we're, we're safe bet. We're we're doing the pod, ladies and gentlemen, on Monday, not Sunday. Yes. <laughs> yes. Week. There may be weeks so. where maybe we could do it if it's a nooner, maybe even if it's a three thirty, but night right. kicks are just doubtful on that. But And for well, and for those of you waiting for beyond just football, I mean the, the FSU soccer team, number one in the country, we'll be talking about them a little more as we go as we proceed further and into detail, that sort of thing. So we'll we it's it's all it's FSU athletics and but again, the football team starting this week, huge game. We'll have it all covered for you at, at TD Online. Yes, please uh, follow us on on Twitter. Follow the 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 website. Follow our work on the website. Subscribe. All, a lot of our best stuff on there is premium. You have to kind of be a subscriber to see it. I mean, that's just how things work in in today's media day and age. So I mean, it, it is how it is. But I, I also I will say. I don't. It's not that expensive, and I know for for sure the quality of me and Andre, of of Jim, our editor, of Jack, our preps writer, and of Rory, our family writer, are worth that. Even if you're not in Tallahassee, even if you don't especially care about the local news side of things, and that might not affect you as much. I think our sports coverage is worth it. Definitely, if you're a fan of anyone, anything in the Tallahassee area, I mean, you, you're going to get probably the most in-depth coverage it's not just going to be you know the nuts and bolts of what happened like you're gonna you're gonna go behind the scenes you're gonna get good stories well worth that buck uh, everybody no doubt couldn't have said it better myself we'll uh we'll be back front with you here soon uh here in a couple days after a game have something real yep. to break down hopefully uh hopefully not having to talk people off the ledge but we'll see how uh how things go i mean it's uh it's football season baby and that's a wonderful thing we are back let's go thanks for listening